Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie here in association with Labrooks. We are coming to you for the second time this week. If you missed our show earlier on in the week, we previewed this weekend's PGA Championship, the first major of the season in August. Uh, yes, you heard us right. Um, with Brian Kill from irishgolfdesk.com. Uh, so that is up right now. You can listen back to that. But don't listen to that just yet because we've got a full show coming up here for you. My name is Mark Farley and as always, I am joined by Mick McCarthy. Mick, how are you? I'm great, Mark. I'm looking forward to a, a great week of sport as usual. Um, I'm <laughs> a little bit... Um, at this point in the show last week, I talked to you about the, the, the way I kind of can curse sport teams and sports people. And uh, I cost the Crusaders their 36 match unbeaten run um, in Super Rugby. And I apologize to them and to their fans. And today I'd like to apologize to Mr. Sean Murphy, um, Irish resident, actually, English snooker player, former world champion, um, who was knocked out in the first round in the Crucible this week, and uh, entirely my fault. And I could only say to Sean, to his family, to his friends, and to his fans, I'm very, very sorry. <laughs> well, that's great. We will clip, of course, that apology and send that on <laughs> to Sean uh, immediately. It's a packed show this week, Mick, because we've got not, the Champions gonna, League. You're not going to ask me why. <laughs> Oh, well, like, I know we just ended up messing you up. He's <laughs> trying to tell, tell the listeners, explain well, how you managed to, 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 <laughs> to, to ruin this one on yourself. Look, I had a one euro free bet on Ladbrokes, and I decided to put it on an accumulator of sure things. But, like, it was an accumulator of sure things that normally goes wrong at some stage, right? But this one was unbelievable. Like, it was all the way through to, like, I think there was 12 correct, uh, I, think I, I think there was 14 bets in it. And Sean Murphy was the 13th of 14, and he was beaten. So I had Rangers to win. I had like England to beat Ireland in the cricket, which, you know, thankfully not on the one that Ireland won. Uh, you know, I, I can't even remember. I had a, a, a horse in Galway. I had a load of like, there was honestly, I've never had a wilder bet in my life, and I was just absolutely delighted with myself. And there was a few snooker first rounds. I had Ronnie O'Sullivan, I think he won 10 1, and a few Last other game ever. <laughs> yeah, which didn't really give me any heartache at all. So I'm flicking through, and I've, I, at this stage, I've decided I've won it, you know. And I'm just, I've got Mark Selby, I think, as well. He is still to play. And I'm just flicking through the channels and I'm seeing Sean Murphy's down 4 1. And I'm like, ah, for feck's sake. <laughs> like, again, it's only, I think it was only 16 euro or something like that. I would have won. But that's not the point. It's nothing to do with the money. It was to finally go and win the accumulator. Joy in knowing you were right. Yeah. Absolutely cursed. But look, maybe this week you'll have better luck. Uh, we've got this week, we're going to be coming with the Champions League. It is back this week, European football. Just every time you think football's over, there's surprise football. It was like, ah, football's over for the season now. We'll not be back in September. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, no, they're fake up finally. You just forget about these things, draw them randomly. Oh, a, Tuesday, a random Tuesday night, the Championship playoff final. Oh, wait, <laughs> the Champions League, a festival of football. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Virgin Media calling it. So that's coming up this weekend. We'll also have one, two, three. We'll have the big shout. Our GA chat, lads, it's a really good one this week. We've already recorded it with PJ. So a spoiler alert here. Uh, it's, it goes on for ages because we get into a lot of different discussions around situations of the GA at the minute, the joy we got from the club games last week, Corofin, and is it actually scary how good they are? There's plenty of discussion coming up in that. And as I mentioned, we have, uh, if you haven't listened, we've got the golf preview with Brian Cohen. I, I believe there'll be more golf chat later on in the show when Mick gets to his big shout. But Mick, 
first of all, well, actually, first of all, I want to remind people to subscribe because you can search the Build Up on Ball Study and all good podcast apps. You can subscribe there. You can leave a rating. You can leave a review. You can tell us how great we are or how great I am and how annoying Mick is because he has uh, terrible advice every week. But it's uh, because given my week I'm off, I'm not, man, mention, Mark. I'm not even I'm not, fighting back here. I'm not, I'm even not even going to mention back. Lando Norris and uh, <laughs> what was the draw in Arsenal and Chelsea. But the Champions League, Mick. I have purposely not looked at anything, and I'm going to guess what's going on here, right? Okay. So, uh, Liverpool are out. That's the main thing I remember. They are. And I believe Man City and uh, Chelsea played their first legs against Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, but or the other way around, that should be. But I can barely remember any of them. I remember Raheem Sterling scoring a goal against Real Madrid and City being brilliant. Yeah. Raheem Sterling didn't score a goal against Real Madrid. He won a penalty. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne scored. But I think that's actually perfect. That sums everything up because these were played on the 25th and 26th of February, Mark. That's a long, bloody time ago. But here's the situation anyway, because I don't. I, there's a lot of people that won't remember, okay? So first of all, these games run on Friday and Saturday. Uh, two games on at a time, which is a pity. I've almost got used to having the choice of watching everything I want to watch. Yeah. And suddenly, you know, things been on at the same time feels a little bit old school or something like that. But on Friday night, you've got Juventus and Leon and uh, City and Real Madrid. On Saturday, then you've got Barcelona and Napoli and Bayern Munich and Chelsea. So they all sound pretty good. Juventus and Leon. Um, that's it's in Juve. This is a, so Leon won this this one nil. People will have forgotten that as well. You know, Juve I've weren't definitely in, forgotten that happened. Uh, Juve weren't in great shape at the time. Leon played really well. Could have went two nil up as well. Uh, um, actually, at one stage, um, and then Dybala kind of missed a good chance for them at the end. He's out. Well, he's not out. He's not definitely out. He might not make it, um, which is a big a big deal for Leon. And also, since they last played, Memphis Depay has come back from a cruciate injury, which he got only in December, of course. And he's apparently back flying for the last two months because that's what happens these days. But uh, yeah, so like the other side of it, though, is the Juventus have come back one Serie A easily in the meantime. Leon have had no league. They played PSG in a, um, in the, a League Cup final that went to penalties. Um, in France, but that was their only competitive game. Everything else has just been a preseason friendly. So that would worry you if you were a Leon fan or if you were someone looking to kind of back Leon or hoping that they go through. Uh, the other side of it, though, is that Juventus wrapped up the league a while ago. They've lost their last two games. I think they've lost three out of their last four games in Serie A. Their as lowest well, so. points total, I think, in all the nine in a row. Either all the leagues they won or since they won one of the first or two in a row. I can't remember the stat exactly, but it's the lowest in a long time. Okay. Um, well, there you go. Uh, so, Leon have a goal to defend there. I think that's a good tie, actually. Uh, I don't think many of us will be watching it, though, on Friday night because City against Real Madrid at uh, the Etihad. So, a, so, you've forgotten this game, obviously. You remember something about Raheem Sterling that you remembered wrongly, but... I what? forgot it happened. Then someone was like, oh, yeah, that like, first second. Immediately, I remembered it. And I was like, oh, yeah, City were class. They won 2-0, I think, and Ramos was sent off. 2-1. They were 1-0 down. Isco scored for Real Madrid and it was 1-0 and then basically Kevin De Bruyne turned it on. So Kevin De Bruyne went yeah. on a brilliant run down the left um, where he like his balance was unbelievable and then an amazing little cross straight onto the head of Jesus who... Um, Go on, that's go on, Mark. I'm trying to remember as I... What? No, I just, that's, that's a different Kevin De Bruyne to the Kevin De Bruyne that only plays well against shit teams in the Premier League with the win 5-0 is it you see I think you like Pep Guardiola are confusing sometimes um, uh, uh, Kevin De Bruyne with his lookalike Zinchenko 
And why Zinchenko keeps getting games from Manchester City is every now and then Pep thinks that he's Kevin De Bruyne. Um, yeah, so sometimes that guy who plays badly in those games is actually not Kevin De Bruyne at all. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I don't know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, I don't know. That look similar. I only thought of that today. <laughs> well, it's more that Kevin De Bruyne, the, the critics of Kevin De Bruyne, will always say that he's brilliant against teams where they're five nil and that he doesn't do anything. When well, he played pretty well in the second Real Madrid half at the Bernabeu. And yep. he, uh, yeah, so he set up that goal. Then Raheem Sterling was absolutely creamed by Carvajal for absolutely no reason. The ball was going out for a goal kick. And, uh, you know, Kevin De Bruyne put it away 2-1. And then Jesus threw in the last minute of the game. And I don't know if you remember or you've ever seen a video of the time Ronald Koeman pulled back the England player and Graham Taylor was like, you've just got me the sack to the linesman. Well, yeah. the linesman didn't make the same mistake with, uh, with uh, Sergio Ramos. It was the exact same foul. He got the line. He's missing for this game. So that was like, would you say, would they be better off going 3-1 up or have Sergio Ramos out for this game? It's kind of, at least it's a question, I suppose. I would yeah, rather have definitely. the goal myself. I remember Ramos at the time. I was like, that's a good, that was the right thing to do by Ramos. Yeah. Um, but now that it's, it's months and months and months later and he's suspended for this game, it's hard to know if that's still the case. Uh, yeah. Obviously, City don't have Sergio Aguero. He wasn't playing that day either. But, uh, you know, they also don't have uh, Mendy who's suspended. So it looks like it looks like from what Pep was doing in the league that he's going to play Cancelo left back. Um, obviously, doesn't tre- trust Jermaine Zinchenko, who we've just talked about. Um, but Madrid, obviously, without Ramos and... Um, also, like, there's a few players that are a little bit of a doubt, but they should have nearly everybody there. That's an interesting one. The difference with Real Madrid, though, is that they've come back from the break and gone and won the league. They were behind. They've played very, very well at times, um, and they seem to be kind of firing on all cylinders. They could have easily been 2-0 up in that game as well. Uh, the goalkeeper made a brilliant save from the Benzema header. Um, so, look, I don't know. I think that's all to play for, really. City... You kind of feel like if it was a full stadium, City having won two one away and gone, you know, yeah. now being at home would be enough. But I think taking the stadium out of it's massive. Do you know exactly? Look at the Man City have come back as well from the break and been brilliant. Um, so it's not you know, like if the league wasn't wrapped up so much before the lockdown, it could have been a different story. But uh, yeah, just looking at Labrooks.com here and Real Madrid are twenty two to one to win the Champions League. If they get through this, there's good a chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they've got like, Man City are the favourites. This match, yeah, yeah, Man City are the favourites in the Champions League at ten to three, and Real Madrid are twenty-two to one. So yeah. should Real Madrid beat Man one City? goal in the difference? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just it's just crazy. Um, That's Friday that, night, then, Mark. You looking forward to? No, say football training because uh, anytime there's any good football match on, there is football training. That has what been a- the rule since we've come out of the lockdown. Uh, <laughs> it's been a rule for many a year. Uh, last night, Tuesday night, championship playoff final, football training. Uh, uh, worst game we've ever seen anyway, so. Uh, so, yeah, but I'll, 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 I'm looking forward to hearing about it and possibly watching it when I come home. Okay, uh, well, what about you Saturday? You never, ever, ever get by without spoilers, though, when you're always coming off the pitch and somebody will say, oh, the heroes, uh, uh, we're up three, they'll have to score five goals again, man. So it's three, five, three. Anyway. Saturday. I think those days are gone. I've been able to kind of get home without knowing the score. Uh, watch Match of the day, back in the day, at half ten at night. How the hell did we actually do that? I used to do that as a kid. I used to get to half ten or whatever yeah. time it was without knowing the scores in the matches. Um, impossible. Right. All you need to do was not go to teletext. <laughs> yeah. Or talk then. Anyway, Saturday night. Barcelona Are you free on Saturday Napoli. night? Yes. Okay. 
So Barcelona, Napoli, and Bayern Munich and Chelsea, right? Let's start with the Bayern and Chelsea game. Chelsea, you know, <laughs> 3 0 down. Do you remember this game? Napoli got two, and Lewandowski got uh, got the got the third one. Uh, they were completely outclassed. I think one person wrote that they were uh, brutally exposed, uh, which you know. Considering Frank, <laughs> considering Frank Lampard has uh, you know performed a miracle this year, it's it was a pity to see them go down three 0 uh, and be brutally exposed at Stamford Bridge to Bayern Munich yeah. um, and reveal that they are in fact the kind of a, a lower top tier team in, in English football versus Bayern Munich. But look, I, not that I would have anything against Chelsea or, or Frank Lampard for that matter. But you know, they, maybe they can turn it around. I don't know. Look, I mean, they don't have. Um, Pulisic, they don't have uh, Pedro, they don't have Aspilicueta, they don't have uh, Kante, they don't have um, uh, Alonso, who was sent off in that match, so he's suspended. Um, William, is he still knocking about? William, uh, no, I think I think he's hanging around. I I think so. I think he sh- he signed a short term extension, didn't he? As as he, as they. Uh, they look for his future, but he didn't play in the FA Cup final, so I don't even know if, if William's playing. But um, I'm sure they'll find someone. And the heart of like Frank Lampard's players and the, the lion hearts of, of, of English football, I'm sure we'll find a way to overturn that deficit at the Allianz Arena. Yeah, so like you're talking plucky underdogs by Munich here, who are um, second favourites for the Champions League somehow, which doesn't make any sense given that they're up against the mighty Chelsea. Um, With only a three 0 lead going home, like it's it's. Look, I, don't, I can't I, I, see. I can't look past Chelsea for this one. Um, yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> look, I, I actually look. I I think I think for the reasons of being fair, and if people haven't listened to last week's show or any other time we talked about Chelsea, like we obviously are being ridiculously unfair and you know whatever about Frank Lampard's fake miracles in finishing fourth in the league you genuinely probably can't expect this team at this time in this level of the development to go and compete with Bayern Munich and getting out of the group was actually an achievement in itself it wasn't a miracle mark and I'm not going to be writing you know 8,000 word articles about what a great job it proved that he did if they lose this 6-0 on aggregate but I don't think it's a mark against him either being honest would no, you agree with that? Quite good. It was actually did all jokes aside when I say the last seven. It didn't Tottenham concede seven goals against Bayern in one of the yeah. games? Yeah. the last sixteen that did happen. Even <laughs> <laughs> it was seven years ago, but it did happen. It was yeah. The, <laughs> it feels like it was. It was in, it was in uh, the group stages. Um, Barcelona Napoli. Then this is the one that I'm actually really looking forward to, and I, and and more so because like I've seen like a lot of City and the Chelsea and stuff like that and, and, and just be, the way everything's on and what channels are all on I haven't seen that much of Serie A or La Liga but now you kind of that's the beauty of the Champions League it's like the old school Champions League is you go and get to see these teams um, only when they play in Europe you know it hasn't been that way for a long time but for me randomly it is at the moment and Barcelona are, it's one all from the first leg um, Merton's got a great goal I don't know if you remember that at all it was uh, outside the box right foot into the top corner after half an hour, Barca dominated the game, came back into it, and eventually Griezmann scored um, an equaliser. as one all. Um, now, Barca, here's the problem for Barcelona in this game, right? They didn't have a good time after they came back from uh, the break. There's all kinds of talk. Messi's unhappy, so-and-so's unhappy, so-and-so's happy. This is the big problem for them, though, right? Griezmann is injured and has been out for three or four weeks. He's been training. He might make it, right? But a bigger issue, again, is the fact that Busquets got a yellow card in man of the match performance against Napoli in the first leg. He's suspended for this game. And also, Vidal is suspended because he got two yellow cards in the same second. Surely you're starting to remember this now. <laughs> the referee just got two quick yellow cards and sent them off. <laughs> so they're missing, 
they're missing a good portion of their midfield there. And um, it starts to look a little... Umtiti, I think, is injured as well. He might not make it. So, you know, it's starting to look a little bit bare for what's already a bare enough um, Barcelona team. Dembele has been back training as well, so he, he may make it, but I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not for, for Barca. I still think they'll do it. I feel, I, like we're going to do one, two, three, and they're one of the games in a few minutes. So I'll talk about that uh, when we get to it. But here's the thing, Mark. Th- these games are on Friday and Saturday, and I can predict them till the cows come home. But what's the one thing you've learned about second legs in Champions League in knockout over the last three, four years? Once you can't predict anything. Absolute, Somebody's like, going to be 3-0 down at halftime and go through. Yeah, if there's three Guaranteed. minutes to go in the game, you still can't predict anything. <laughs> yeah. do, do not turn off IX and Spurs to go and put out the washing upstairs. That's all I'm saying. Or genuinely, this is a genuine uh, plea to you, Mick. Well, it's not a plea because you're very lucky this season that the likes of, you know, when Barcelona are traded to PSG, do not <laughs> turn to Stoke against Man City in Premier League. Uh, luckily, the Premier League is over, Mick, so that you don't have that distraction. I like the way you remember the exact details of that story. That's how mad it was. <laughs> I missed the greatest comeback of all time. Uh, until all the matches last year in every single game. Okay, so that's uh, that's Friday and Saturday. Now, before we kind of just wrap up, and say, look, we'll talk about all the, the, the next week's games and stuff, but once these games are out of the way, we have a very quick turnaround to Lisbon Mania. Because next Wednesday, Atalanta are playing PSG. On Thursday, RB Leipzig are playing Atletico Madrid. Then on Friday, either Barcelona or Napoli are going to be playing Bayern Munich or Chelsea. And then on Saturday, Manchester City or Real Madrid are going to play Juventus or Leon. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday, the semifinals are on. Then the Sunday, the finals are on. We're on full-on like, World yep. Cup here. Um, so I think people already know about that. But now that it's like about to happen, this is the most exciting thing that's happened in football in years. This yeah, be the it is. And I do feel, I, I do agree with Frank Lampard in terms of that he was given out about the Premier League season starting too soon. And like when you consider Chelsea going to be playing up until, what is it, uh, two weeks from Sunday um, when they win the Champions League, you can see where, he, where he's coming from. That It is a very quick turnaround for them compared to other teams. But anyway, the Europa League is on that's this enough. week as well. I'm, I, you're going to turn me on the other side of the Frank Lampard debate if you're not careful. <laughs> I actually was. I said last week on the show that I I, I turned towards Frank Lampard. Uh, <laughs> I've gone. I've got done that already. I've, I'm, I'm a fan now. It is fun. Like he's, yeah, you sound like we, it. We should. Yeah, we should remember, remind people that it is genuinely they're a good team. It's more. It's not Frank Lampard. It's the people saying that it's America. But it's 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 the people covering it. That, that, yeah. The word name, miracle has really triggered me in a very twenty first yeah. century way. I have to say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Europa League as well this week. There's lots going on, but again, there's so many games. By the time you know, we probably not pay as much attention to this until inevitably it ends up being a Man United uh, Wolves Europa League final and Wolves trying to get into the Champions League, which would be great in a few uh, in a couple of weeks' time. But that is it for our Champions League discussion, or is it? Because up next, it's one two three. Yes, it's one, two, free time. Your chance to win 100 euro cash on labrooks.com by playing a game for absolutely free. Uh, it is, all you have to do is predict the score of three matches this weekend in the football. If you get three right, you win 100 euro cash. And even if you only get two, you get a five euro free bet. And if you just get one, like I did last week with Benfica against Porto, you get a euro free bet. Uh, this week, Mick, the games are Barcelona against Napoli, Bayern Munich against, against Chelsea, and Kilmarnock against Celtic. Where your head be at? Which one of these is not like the other? <laughs> Um, 
I have to say, last week, by the way, you scoffed me when I said that Celtic would beat Hamilton 5 0. And they didn't. They won 5 1, though. Um, yeah, it was very close. I actually had, uh, at the end, when you play 1 to 3, the, su- uh, the suggestion comes up, you know, what the odds are on some of the things. And I had gone 2 all in Arsenal Chelsea, which was close. 2 1 to Porto Benfica, which I was right. And 3 1 Celtic Hamilton. So they're all both teams to score. And I think it was something around 7 to 1. Um, and had a one of the euro free bets from the week before on it, oh. and won it won seven or eight euros. So there you go. Uh, there you go, Mark. A success story. Week. Maybe exactly. you're not the jinx that I am, and you should you should be uh, making these picks. Yep, Barcelona. Well, I am going to make these picks as well. Sorry, I, mean. <laughs> I could do every week, but <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona gets Napoli. I'm going to go a two-one here to Barca. Yeah, I'm pick- I had 2-1. I've done it in the video already as 2-1 to Barca. Uh, I kind of feel that there's there's an ability for them to just get out of jail a little bit, you know, um, with the with Suarez and Messi and maybe Griezmann yep. back. But uh, I think it's going to be tough. I think this is going to be a bloody close game. Definitely. Bayern Munich bloody against Chelsea. Uh, Bayern Munich against Chelsea. I'm 4-1. I'm going for 4-1 as well. <laughs> <laughs> I could see Chelsea going all out here to get the goals and being very open at the back uh, and they'll get one of them but Bayern will score like it was kind of like the Ajax game was mad in the last 16 um, Bayern are going to get, get a few goals Yeah, I think this could be really high scoring this game it could be 4-1 it could be 6-2 who knows this is the last 16 going, uh, sorry in the group stages with Ajax um, but uh, yeah I think it's going to be loads of goals I'm going for 4-1 so then Kilmarnock okay. against Celtic is the last one. Can we make it 3-for-3, three three, making us agree on all of them? Okay, so have you already made your pick? Let me make my pick now. Okay, I'm going to say 3-1 to Celtic. Oh, I've gone for 3-0. Oh, okay. Very so close. close, Mark. So close. Well, one of us are, you know, may- unfortunately the two of us can't win the 100 euro this week. No, oh, but look, we could come close. Yeah, but whatever you want, uh, whatever you think yourself, you can get on to labbrooks.com right now and play one, two for yourself. Like I mentioned, it's free to play. If you get one score right, you get a euro free bet. If you get two, you get a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win 100 euro cash. Well, you could go for, um, obviously, <laughs> Mickelson at 80 to 1, I think, or something like that, yeah. is, 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 is a good outside bet, you know. Um, Tommy Fleetwood, again, you know, played very well at the weekend. Alongside Rory on uh, on Sunday, sixty five. He's only just come back from the lockdown. Only been over there a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I think he's around fifty to one. You know, Harris English as well, uh, one hundred and fifty to one. That's another great ball striker as well. You know, who uh, find hit you know hit fairways, hit greens. You know, he's another player who's uh, an excellent uh, an excellent chance of doing well. So really, there's there's, there's so many um, names out there, but uh, certainly. Um, Another name, actually, that, uh, that came up there in conversation with somebody this morning, Danny Willett, mm. uh, you know, who's, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Cheryl Hatton, who had a poor week at the weekend, but I think Danny Willett, you know, who was, uh, I think he was sixth in the open behind Larry, you know, played pretty well last week. Uh, he's just sort of rounding it in a bit of form, a major winner as well. So, you know, there's a player of that might, might be worth a little bit of a flutter. That was the voice of Brian Q of IrishGolfDesk.com. We shouted to him earlier on in the week. We previewed the PGA Championship coming up this weekend and he had lots of advice and insight into the different... It's a wide open field, but there's plenty of people that uh, were worth discussing. If we go through all of them, you can find that on our podcast feed. All you have to do is scroll back. If you're listening right now, you get that from earlier in the week. But it is time for our big shout. Right, hold it! Just hold it, Alan! Push him out! 
Steady, David, don't! Get round, no, don't! Bloody! Yes, it's going to be PGA Championship Rain, I'm guessing, Mick, but it's your turn this week to pick the good big shout. It's your chance to win yourself two cakes and a sports biography. And not just you, Mick, but all our listeners as well. Send us in a prediction that's 25 to 1 or greater on labrooks.com. You can email the gaffer at boss.e. If it comes off, you win yourself that coveted prize, those two cakes and the sports biography. <laughs> I did not do it last week because I was incredibly wrong. Lando Norris uh, did not win a podium in Silverstone. Uh, despite the fact that everybody's tyres are blowing up. And um, the draw for Arsenal Chelsea was, wasn't a mile off of that, but it didn't happen. But look, at, here we go. We live and learn. Mick, this week, what have you got? Okay, so this week, I'm, I'm sticking to golf, right? We talked to Brian yesterday. He gave me a lot of good ideas. I had some of my own. And I was thinking, how do I do this as a big shout, right? And I, I've actually got it, right? I've decided to pick four players to finish in the top 20 and do... and pop them in as an accumulator right so these are people that i'm confident with it's a great tournament people who didn't listen to that brian has lots of good tips better tips than me and some conversation about why people will do well and how they will do well and it's actually really worth listening it's got me really hyped up for this tournament i can't wait to watch it now as i was saying to you yesterday it's a pity that it's on west coast america time because i always feel like you have to stay up way too late to watch it then but um either way i'll be doing it uh especially if some of these lads are involved on Sunday. So the first person up, Mark, is Rory McIlroy. He is 8-11 to 11 to finish in the top 20. He is not in the greatest form at the moment. However, Rory is one of those players that, one, can turn it on any week. Two, he's won at this... The last time there was a tournament played at this uh, course was back in 2015 when the World Match Play was on. You have to play a hell of a, lo- a lot of rounds of golf to win a World Match Play championship, and he did it. Um, so played really well at that course, was never beaten. And secondly, thirdly, is Rory's one of those players that could become absolutely 150 shots off the lead. You think, what the hell is going on? He's quietly shoots 267s at the weekend, completely out of contention. And, you know, you're seeing them, uh, you know, when the leaders are coming out or they're, they're showing them on the practice. I want to do next uh, thing it cuts to Rory and he's waving goodbye to the crowd, which won't exist at the 18th. But he's had a really good score. The and record. He's in ninth place, and by the end of the day, he'll be in 18th. And he just always yeah, manages to finish in the top 20. I want to do some sort of study on them. Um, just go back. So I'm sure someone else has actually already done this. So there's no point in me doing it. But uh, <laughs> just traces, traces round threes from his tournaments for the last couple of years. And see, he always seems to be in contention on the Friday, has a disaster on a Saturday, and then comes back with. Like like we're saying, possibly break the course record on a Sunday, and it'd be enough to just squeeze him into the top ten. So I see where you're coming from there, uh, and like again, this it's been so unpredictable since the return of um, golf after the lockdown that it, he could well just burst into form this weekend. But who else have you got? Second player I'm going to go with Mark is Webb Simpson, uh, former U.S. Open champion, won twice already this year in really really good form. He's one of those players that's just like just hitting it beautifully at the moment. He's kind of back to his potential. Very hard to see how he'd finish outside of the top 20 because he's too consistent. He's not one of those type of players that will... He's not a Dustin Johnson or you... He might win the tournament, but you couldn't bank on him to make the cut, you know? So Simpson, I like in there. Third player that I'm looking at is a young American golfer called Daniel Berger, who's also... He's way out in the betting to win this, by the way. He's like 40 to 1 or something like that. But he's the same price as Webb Simpson who I think is 20 to 1 or 25 to 1 to finish in the top 20 because that's what he does, Mark. <laughs> his, his last, uh, except for once in his last six rounds, he's finished second last week. He missed the cut the week before 
uh, but tied third, won, tied fourth, and tied fifth. That's an incredibly consistent run of golf on the PGA Tour. I'm just going to ask people to ignore the time he missed the cut and listen to the rest of those stats. Um, but he's, he's obviously playing the golf of his life. He won four weeks ago. He's, uh, he's someone that has a chance of winning the tournament, I would say. People might not know too much about him, but he's a very, very good player, and I can certainly see him finishing the top 20 this week. And then the person who I'm getting way too big odds on on this to round it up the accumulator and to make it a big shout is Mr. Shane Lowry. Now, people will have listened to Brian Kyo and will know exactly why Shane Lowry can go and win it. I've also been talking about his trajectory has been very good all year. I went from a week too early or two weeks too early, I think, on the big shout, but he finished sixth last week. His putting, he left a few shots out there. He could have been in real contention. But then again, you know, like when Shane Lowry is on his form, he plays well in majors very, very consistently. And if the course suits him, if the wind suits him, if the kind of Irish-style conditions of the West Coast are in his favour, can't you see Shane finishing top five, top ten, and definitely top twenty at thirteen to five? So Rory at eight to eleven, Daniel Berger at five to four, Webb Simpson at five to four, and Shane Lowry at thirteen to five, all to finish in the top twenty, comes in at twenty nine point twelve to one, or with the Ladbrokes odds boost thirty one point eight nine to one. Mark, a big shout. I like it. I like it uh, an awful lot. It's funny. I'm just looking back to Daniel Berger. He's ninth favorite, uh, and that's. Give or take, because some of them are the same odds to get the top 20, and he's only one, two, three. Don't mind me here, I'm just counting up, but he's like 15th, <laughs> 16th favourite. Yeah. He's 40 to 1 to win it right. So they know, right, they know he's like, a top 20 type player, yeah, if not maybe a winner, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Larry, like, and Larry at 66 to 1 overall, I think he should be still 60. And it's, it's much more with the lad with the odds boost on that yeah. because I think it's over, it's like 75 to 1 or so. Uh, to each way is also interesting but I do like a big shout look it's so hard like <laughs> we just mentioned with the golf mentioned on the podcast it's so hard to predict this one this weekend that to get four in the top 20 you'll be doing well if you manage to get them all right especially when <laughs> well I'll be doing very well especially one of them isn't Hideki Matsuyama um, <laughs> but he's I like good it. bad to finish 21st as we talked about yesterday but the other brilliant thing about it is, is if you're watching a game of football say at the weekend like we talk about Barcelona and Napoli or whatever and You've only, like, you're just watching the game. There's two teams in it or whatever. Whereas now when you're watching the PGA this weekend, you've got four golfers there that you're keen on seeing and you're interested yeah. in. There's storylines that yeah. you're now invested in. So that Now I wish I didn't take the two Irish lads because if I could have, I, I'd have six lads if I picked. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can I actually just say, lastly on that that you mentioned, I was watching the cricket last night and I was thinking to myself, is there anything else in the world? There's nothing like a cricket chase. I don't know if people watch it. I understand a lot of people don't aren't interested or, or don't really know it but whenever like there's something dramatic like that it isn't every game it absolutely isn't the first two games between Ireland and England was very boring to be honest you know but when there's that chase and there's a countdown and it's like you have to get it by a certain number of balls and stuff like that the tension is unbelievable but it's a unique kind of tension because it's so slow and lasts for so long it's absolutely draining and I was thinking there's nothing really to compare to it and I was thinking do you know what there is to compare to it a Sunday afternoon in a, in a major championship in golf. Because that's yeah. the same thing. You know, when you're watching Shane Lowry or whatever in, in, in Port Rush last year, and it lasts for hours, and you're just on absolute edge the entire time. And when he's when you're watching somebody else play, you're like, what's going on with Shane? Is he, is he at the tee yet? You know, are they gonna, and, and that tension is, I think, like last night in the cricket, like on Sunday, if one of your picks or one of the Irish lads or one of your 
golfers that you like is going to be in contention. There's just nothing like the back nine of a major on a Sunday. And there really isn't uh, in sport, I don't think, because the tension just lasts longer than anything else, anything, any of the ball sports. Yeah, definitely. Good. That's it. Speaking of big shouts, that's a great shout. <laughs> you, can, you can send us in your big shouts for the weekend. Send them to the gaffer at balls that he put the big shout in the uh, subject line. You don't even have to put the bet on or anything. Just send us what the odds are on labrox.com. Send us a screenshot or whatever. And if it comes off, you'll win yourself two cakes and a sports biography. Of course, if you are having a bet on the golf or the football or anything else this weekend, be sure to gamble responsibly. You can visit dunlouis.net for more information. But it is now time to chat GA with Mick and also Mr. PJ Brown. Yes, PJ Brown is now on the line with us to talk some GA. And look at lads, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but we hyped up the GA weekend. We mentioned a few different matches last week that people should keep an eye out for uh, over the weekend and over Friday night as well last week. And they all lived up to expectation. I mean, PJ, let's just go back. Before we look forward here, let's go back to Friday night. Talk me through your Friday night viewing. Because there were a couple of games we mentioned here for one reason or another last week, and they all turned out to be crackers. Mark, I, my Friday night could not have been any better, really, in terms of GA viewing. Because so I, I sat down to watch uh, Temple Law against Kinmare, this local rivalry. Uh, these two, two teams had never met in a senior championship game before. Kinmare, like the big town, and Temple Law, the little village out four miles out the road. And it looked, it looked like early on, it looked like Khmer were about to run away with it. They got two goals early on. And then Temple Noe came back into it and took the lead. And they were leading by two points in the 67th, 68th minute. At which point, Khmer got, had, a, had, the, had, the, had the kick out. It looked like the game was going to be over. But they were patient, worked the ball into midfield, and then launched it towards the Temple Noe square. Shawnee O'Shea is waiting underneath. Fifth the ball towards goal. Mark Looney, goalkeeper, saves it not once, but twice. And then uh, Paul O'Connor scrambles it over the line. Temple No end up winning, sorry, uh, Kim Mayer end up winning by a point. It was uh, so their second win of the senior championship. It was, uh, it was, it was a mad game. Uh, so then I was there for the keeper as well. That if that, that's up on the ball site. And like, I mean, the, save, the second save he makes where he kind of fishes the ball out. Yeah, from the net just before before it crosses the line, but he he just gets the power out straight to Paul O'Connor, who gets it back in again. It was uh, like, like like it was the, the drama there at the end of the game, and I, like there was there was everything in that. Um, I I thought you know I can't get much better than that. So I like I, I have a brief look at Twitter, and like oh God, Tullerone are uh, really putting it up to Belly Hill here. So switch it on. It looks like Tullerone are about to. The inter- All Ireland Intermediate Champions are about to beat the All Ireland Senior Champions. Uh, that was they were up by three points. Uh, they were playing really well. That was until uh, I think it was, it was a little moment of genius in middle field from Brian Cody lobs the ball into T- into TJ TJ who was kind of misfiring for late on in the game. He had a goal chance he missed. He had he missed a couple of frees. But then he, fist, he uh, hand passes the ball over to the older brother, Owen, and Owen slots it underneath the Tullerone keeper. And that's it. It's a draw between uh, Tullerone and uh, Belly Hill. Draw between Tullerone and Belly Hill. We're still none the wiser whether it's league or championship or what's going on in that competition. <laughs> Anybody listening can clarify that for us. It's called the Senior Hurling League on Kilkenny website. But yet people were referring to it as the championship. 
not fully sure what's going on there, but that's the that's the the wonder of local GEA competitions. There's lots of different structures. There's lots of different things going on around the country. Sometimes you're kind of having to figure out what the hell is this about. Other times you don't even need to know the context. Like that golden player at the weekend. Doesn't matter who the teams are. Doesn't matter what the thing was. It was just great to watch. Um, but there's plenty more obviously this week to look forward to. You mentioned Ken Mayer there. Ken Mayer playing. Dr. Croaks on Friday night is one of the standard games. Tonight, you've got St. Vincent's against Bally Bowden. Uh, there's a couple of other games up across. Actually, Mick, I think you have the list of games that are happening on TG Catter across the weekend. Yeah, TG Catter and RT, Mark. So you've got um, on Friday night on TG Catter, you've got Donegal Football Championship, a massive one with St. Eunan's against Kilcar. That's on at um, half seven. Then on Saturday night on RTE, it's Limerick Hurling. You've got uh, Dune versus Patrick's Well and Adair versus Kilmanach. Malik. They're two actually very interesting games. Patrick Tweller, um, you know, they won it last year and have gone very well again so far. They'll probably win that one. That's on a half seven. But the one before that, um, Adair versus Kilmalik, you're probably talking about the third and fourth team with Napiershig obviously not not involved in, in Limerick. So that'll actually be a great a great clash with lots of um lots of county players that you'll kind of know as well from that one. Um Declan Hannon is uh, the Adair captain. That's where the Lee McCarthy went first when Limerick won the um, All-Ireland a couple of years ago. And then on Sunday, um, we've got quarterfinals of the Wexford Hurling Championship already because we know how Wexford are just flying through these things and want it over with as quick as possible so Davey and the boys can get back training. But um, that's uh, Fade Harriers versus... um, PJ, help me out with the name of this club again. Well, I would say Shelmaliers. Shelmaliers, a great name. Shelmaliers. That's that's probably the best named uh, GA fixture I've ever seen. Fade Harriers against Shell Maliers. Uh That's Lee Chin's Fade Harriers as well. So if you want to watch a little bit of Lee Chin on Friday at two thirty on TG Carter, uh, that's the place for you. And then uh, Mayo Championship on the and it's the third TG Carter coverage with uh, Castle Bar versus Breffy. Um, so that's actually a pretty big tie as well. So there's so bloody many games on, um, and that's just what's on TV. So if you want to go and have a look at what's being streamed in your local area or even in your not-so-local area, the list is literally endless. Yeah, I think St. Unions, endless, there is an end. St. Unions and uh, Kilcar as well, which is always, like the Donegal Championship, you're always going to see a couple of, they're very well spread out, the different teams in yeah. terms of county players. You've got the likes of Niall O'Donnell and Sean Patton with St. Unions. You've got uh, uh, the McHugh's and Paddy McBrearty with Kilcar as well. So that should be a bit of crack. Uh, interesting what? to see if we can get more than six points in that game as well. You know, like a, Donegal football, like Donegal Championship actually being played in the summer. I wonder will it like bring the average yeah. score up from you know one three to one two being the, about the average of you know uh, in the winter championship in the summer. Will we get like you know two fifteen to one eighteen draws? There is actually when no. I mentioned that you find that the Donegal and Dublin in particular the championship games either tend to be really good or really bad. It's just, and, and it's nothing to do with, I don't mean in terms of like you look at a game, you're like, oh, this is going to be one-sided. I mean in terms of the, like when you look at it on paper, you're like, this, is, this game promises to be class and it could end up being terrible. And then other ones you say, oh, this is going to be really low score or whatever and it ends up being a great game. So hopefully that will work out that this, this week that that'll be an entertaining one. Was there anything else from last weekend's game quick before we move on, Mick, that you... Yeah, the, there was a couple. There was a couple of things that I just kind of did, jumped out at me last week that kind of will kind of play into bigger picture stuff, I suppose, as well going forward and watching the club games. And one is like, you know, the jo- PJ talked about like TJ Reid, um, maybe not having the best game, and sometimes you know you can see the club player or the the great county player just sort of play and show you that how depth 
how deep the levels are that these guys might not always stand out a mile in the club games but then sometimes you have this performance of a guy who'll do that something special and you see why they're famous around the country even though they're playing for this small little club you know and it's like Patrick Horgan's goal for Glen Rovers on on Saturday night was just absolute genius you know he actually miscontrolled the ball first you know but the way he adapted to it and then just had the confidence to just shoot from a good I'd say he was 35 yards out at least you know and just straight into the top corner with a goalkeeper having no chance from that distance out was unbelievable um the other thing then is like Curfin's performance PJ I know you were watching this match and probably saw more of it than I did I saw a bit of it but there we talked about the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championships drawing with the champions drawing with the All-Ireland Intermediate champions in Galway the same fixture in football took place but it was a very very different scoreline and you know this was actually close for a while and then Currafin were just like ab sick of this we're just going to score seven goals and get the hell out of here and you're just thinking like this could be the most unstoppable club team ever and I know when I said that the first thing that jumped to mind was how could you possibly say that when Cross McGlenn won 13 Armaz in a row and God only knows how many Ulsters in all Ireland in the meantime but I don't know if they were even though they were winning every game, were they doing this to just whoever came up in their path? You know what I mean? And I think Curafin are just getting to that stage now where you, if, if they do this all season, which they could very well do, you're just like, this. here's the question I would put to you. If you would put Curafin out on Championship Day in Crow Park against Galway, bear in mind there's obviously a couple of crossover players there, but if both of them were playing, would you back against them? Oh, I, I don't think they'd beat Galway. Like, I, Are you sure? Like, I, I don't think they would. I, I, th- I think it can be overblown. Like their football is very good. They're a really good club team. But I'm not sure if maybe they'd be like a lower, like kind of Division Two side in terms of National League. But I, I, I don't think they put it up to the Scarlet team. No. Yeah, I suppose what I mean as well is it's cohesiveness and the the the, the team that they put together necessarily mm-hmm. more than the ta- obviously they'd have 15 people on the Galway team if they were the best 15 footballers. But I just think we're getting to the stage now with Curafin. It's almost like I can't, I don't want to miss any more of their games so yeah. I can see how far they can go, you know, and how good they can be. That, that game on Sunday, they started without Ian Burke. They started without Dahi Burke. Rowan Steed didn't play at all. Like three of their most important players. Yeah. And they have Kier, Kieran Fitzgerald, Kieran Fitzgerald re- just gone. Retired. Yeah. And yeah. um, the, the kind of like you, a lot of people would have thought, you know, this is this is you've won three All Irelands in a row. Players are going to get complacent. I mean, they're not going to be have the same ambition. But if you were listening to uh, Dara Silk after a game of DJ Carr, he was just, just talking about how there were so many players coming through that they're they're all worried about their place on this mm. team. Yeah. So there is there is no drop in ambition, and it, it it's like it's it's kind of scary to think. How many more they can win? They're going for eight in a row in Galway, yeah. and like he's talking about, yeah, we're not really thinking about that eight in a row because a lot of us weren't there, you know, for the first one, mm. you know. So it's not really that. That's not in their thinking. I, I, I know that's the kind of thing you expect yeah. players to say, but I, I do kind of believe that. It's a really good point because that's the that's the key to any long lasting team. If you look at Kilkenny or you look at uh, Dublin this Dublin the current Dublin team you know every like there's a lot of 
how do they keep going year after year? And you're like, well, for an awful lot of them, they're not. Like, you know, they're, they're coming in and they're holding on to their place or they're, they're refreshing it. And the team from the first in the run always looks very, very different to the team at the end. And if you don't refresh it, it just tends to, no matter how good you are, it tends to go after three years. I think you articulated that better than I did when I was trying to explain how impressed I was with the move. There was a sense, just watching the game, it was like, where do they keep getting these players from? Hmm. You know, it's not a huge area. It's not anything. And it was, it was that. It was like Ian Burke's not playing. But this forward line looks as exciting as ever, and yet you're missing an actual inter-county all-star from two years ago, from, well, mm. one year ago. I don't know what way it works these days with the, with the messed up year, two, 2018. And it doesn't affect them, and it's a club team. And we talked about Patrick Horgan a few minutes ago. We talked, you know, how important these players are to their club teams. It's just, it's so impressive what Kirk Finner doing. The only dirty thing that Dara Silk mentioned in that interview after the game was Frank Morris, kind of the coach. He said, where do all these players come from? He's like the big part of that, this underage coach who was like this major influence on all of those players where they're kind of, I remember interviewing, I think it was Karen Fitzgerald last year and he said that, or earlier this year? I think it was earlier this year. Again, uh, DJ kind of time is uh, <laughs> absolute. <laughs> time gone out the window. <laughs> uh, he, he kind of talking about how lads are expected to be two-footed by the time they're 40. And Darius has mentioned as well that there is no big, there's no kind of this, um, Winning isn't a big thing underage, and that's that's a common thing on two of the most successful uh, club teams ever. Is so Carfin of Ireland are Nemo has them, and both of them don't really think about winning like at at underage. It's more about like developing these skills of the game and not being afraid to do stuff. And then later on, that translates into becoming a good footballer, rather than it being about you know winning under 12 or under 14 titles and yeah. feeling that pressure and maybe lads kind of fall away because they don't, you know, they kind of, they don't love the game because they feel, you know, they, they kind of get sick of it. And that- uh, another thing that keeps, actually keeps Carlton players, I think, interested at an adult level is training sessions are 70 minutes and that's it. You're done, you're home. There's no, the, these kind of team meetings and maybe there are the odd one of them, but you know, it, it doesn't eat up their time. It's part of their lives. It's not their whole lives. Yeah, it's interesting with the underage thing. There's always that. It's not just like when we say, oh, you know, the fact that they're not winning stuff underage, and people go like, sure, look, if the players are good, maybe winning comes along with it or whatever. That like, you know, it's not even just the pressure of trying to win or that sort of attitude. It's more that you could, if you had like four or five strong lads on an underage team that say, you know, I don't know, 14 level or something, they've all developed, you know, they've, they've, they're all six foot, they could, you can, you can nearly win games by going through the four of them, you know, they could just up, put them all up the middle and go or whatever, whereas like, if you're looking to develop a team, you nearly put, need to put more emphasis on the weaker lads and the lads who haven't uh, developed physically as much yet to try and bring them along with it rather than just, you know, you, they're two kind of, different approaches that are interesting but then you wonder sometimes if you're never going to bring two or three lads on from an underage team maybe those strong lads are all you need but it seems to be not the case when you look at Corofin you look at lots of teams people obviously develop but different yeah different you don't know who those lads are going to be yeah, yeah, exactly. at that age that's yeah, the thing yeah. you put all their eggs yeah. in the basket of somebody and also that suggests that the only out the only desire even if you're just yeah. even if you're still only doing it for success down the line and not for the idea that you might want actually lads, to go, lads and girls to go and enjoy their actual sport which is which it was for it's funny i was like this is a, such a small thing but like i was passing a 
you know, again, I'm just, I think I mentioned on the show before, whenever I kind of like wander by a match now or something, I'm so drawn to live sport. I can't help but just stop and watch for a few minutes. And I was listening to kind of a, a socially distancing, socially distant, I don't know what the word is there, listening to a kind of a coach's conclave in an underage match uh, with the local club here. And there was like four or five of them and they were like panicking, you know, like full on pressing the panic mode. And I'm thinking to myself, this is under 16 at most. I'd say it was, I'd say it was under 16 and it was, you know, whatever it is, the first round of the weirdest championship of all time or whatever. And as, by the way, they're having a panic attack, their team scores one of the best points of the day <laughs> that you'd see out in the background. But, like, it's pure, it's like, this isn't the way to approach it. And I feel like that there's so many clubs that are still doing that, are still so worried about the result and so worried about, and panicked about how teams are playing rather than saying, right, let's take this all in and translate it into something we can coach them with the next day. And... Those clubs are eventually going to get left behind is the point that I'm eventually kind of getting to. And this will become the more accepted thing and the old school will kind of die out a little bit. And I suppose if you look at Currafin and Nemo Rangers maybe being the, the examples of it at the moment, how good is football in Hurling going to be in 20 years' time if you know we take on this in a real way and do it across the board and any clubs that don't do it are just left behind because they're going to be dinosaurs it, the other thing about like Nemo Ranger is Nemo Rangers is they field teams at every level so it's not only the lads at like in the senior team lads, lads aren't just coming through to the senior team and like staying, playing football lads at all, of all ability are, are continuing to play football from underage and that's that's kind of that, that that's really admirable. I think that you can you man, and it, it says a lot that you can keep people interested even though they're not, you know, part of this all Ireland winning team. Yeah. Like that, obviously, that only it depends on the numbers you have. But it would like a lot of teams would obviously be able to do that. But it would be interesting this year, especially to see every club you seem to hear of or taught, especially before the championship started a month or so ago, they were all flying and trading. They all had everyone back. They had loads of lads back and this lad's doing that, this lad wants another year and all this. Will they keep that up next year? Should we, we probably won't be, but should we be back to some sense of normality? Do you know, will you keep those guys around? Especially if the way the thing has happened now, I don't know, it's obviously different in every county, but some counties might not have the reserve or junior B or senior, whatever you want to call it, championships later on in the year if they end up falling by the wayside or whatever it is, that like it would be great if you were able to actually keep all those interested. And like I often think, I wonder, is there a case for amalgamations of clubs at reserve level or at junior level? And maybe that they're an intermediate or junior team. It seems to be, it's one or the other. It seems to be that like they're like saying Kerry, where you have the um, county championship or the club championship, whatever it is, where you have the divisional teams. That, like, championship. Yeah, that you know, like that you could theoretically have your first team play as a single club and your second team be like the reserve players or whatever from three different clubs and they play in a championship below a level. Say if you're playing senior championship and intermediate championship, say two clubs come together and they have a team that plays junior championship joining together because they might have seven lads, this team might have eight lads, this team might have six lads that are kind of reserves and that keeps them playing or whatever but uh, it's what they'll do at underage so clubs will clubs will amalgamate at underage level because they've only got seven minors this year yeah or whatever like that because you're talking about small towns that don't have it gone but yeah but what about that second team what about the guys outside of the 
the 25 on the senior team and if they don't create a team i don't know if that's something i think you're i think it's a fair point i don't know if that's something that's ever been a priority to make football or hurling exist for those that are that might not uh, in smaller areas that might not be able yeah. to fill a second or third team and it's not even for just for giving them uh, football or hurling it's also that perhaps say if a standard of a junior championship or whatever it could be lifted by having these amalgamated teams of reserve players from senior clubs or whatever it is to uh, come together they can you know they'll improve the standard of the championship overall and therefore improve the county team and yada yada but anyway i'm going down a big wormhole here <laughs> that we could be all like that before we move off this last weekend's game just one thing i want to mention is shout outs to all the outlads because you go through Twitter at any point between Friday and Monday and there's just oh, here's Benny Coulter scoring a goal oh, here's Johnny Doyle playing midfield for Alan Wood there's so many of them Dan the Man Shanahan Declan Brown still playing for Mile Rovers it's great to see and speaking of lads staying on and playing a bit of ball uh, it's, it, it does the heart good Johnny Doyle is an incredible record for, for Alan Wood he has never missed a championship game he, he's, yeah, he scored six he scored six points as we <laughs> he's 42 like, he, he, he made his annual debut in 1996 oh, yeah, it's incredible Dan Shanahan made his Lismore senior hurling debut in 1993 this is his 28th season he came on um, against Four Mile Water the game was quite it was still quite close the Four, Lismore ended up winning by 8 points Dan caused like as you'd expect him to do went in, fu- went in full forward uh, did the pink cap on back to front or was he capless he took it off no he took it off um, no, maybe he no, wore it no, under the helmet I, I was watching closely I saw him put the helmet on they were, uh, <laughs> he, he was coming on he was coming on during the water break I, was, I watched this game uh, on whatever biosport.live um, I'm going to have to take out a small credit union loan to get me through <laughs> Benny Coulter's goal for Mayo Bridge was just uh, just so beautiful. This behind the scenes, I think we have it up in balls actually of behind the goals where he get catches the ball perfectly. It reminds you of every Benny Coulter goal you've ever seen. But when he goes the poor full back, it goes to block him down for the fake shot, and he just bounces it and just taps it into the top oh, corner. Beautiful. Like, there was such nouse in that, and you're thinking to yourself, "Geez, if you could get a lad, if you could carry a lad." Now, Benny Coulter isn't in this category. He's, I think he's 38 and probably still one of the fittest players out there, you know. But if you could carry a lad who, on a team who you can just put at the edge of the square, surely you could use that kind of nouse to go up and catch a ball and put it into the net until you're about 45 or 6, couldn't you? Mm. Especially with the mark now, because it's so confusing and so difficult as a defender that uh, it's, it's a real weapon once people, I think, get get used to it especially at club level because you, you have that where like you could have someone who's very good at fielding and if like there's a sort of an instinct sometimes with a defender where the ball might be coming in high and you'll actually pull out of it because you don't want to foul them or you want to be prepared to not get turned or whatever if you overcommit going for the ball you know you could get they could catch it and turn you so you almost nearly stand back the odd time if, if it's less than 50 50 um i'm not going to go for this but nowadays you instinctively do that and then you realize just as they catch it oh shit, this is a mark and he's straight in front of the goal. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely. And then, the, and then there's that moment of hesitation of are they going to take it, are they going to call it or not? And that's when they can pounce and destroy you. But uh, definitely, like, geez, if that little dummy, like all he needs is a yard of space. Benny Kudler likes a Benny there, he's, he's away. But speaking of, uh, one of the big things this week, obviously, has been the news that it'll be another few weeks at least before the crowds can be 
extended. We're still stuck at 200. That's including uh, players and match officials and everything else at games, which is a disappointment, lads. But at the same point, is it possibly the right decision? I don't know if it's the right decision, right? I, th- I think I'm very much on defense about it and I'm happy to stay there. I don't need to have like an opinion on this. My problem with a lot of the commentary is suggesting that it's straightforward, you know? So like, I completely understand what people are saying. You're, you've got 40 lads out there in the game with players and subs and full contact sport. And, you know, what difference does it make then if there's 200 or 500 people in a big, huge stadium like, the Gaelic grounds or something like that, right? Which not not every stadium is, but look, let's face it, nearly every club ground in the country, you could spread out 500 people very easily, you know? But I understand where people are coming from in that, but also this idea that, you know, people will stand two metres apart and wear masks and everybody will be safe and hunky-dory and clubs will run this right, it just goes against anything I've ever seen at a club game that would suggest to me that it, was, it would ever be that organized. It always seems to me like that's not reality. That's not living in the real world of what it would be like at a club game when passions go up when it's your local, when it's your brother out there playing and it's, you know, all the people that you've grown up with or your son or daughter or whatever like that. Passions rise and I just can't see how it would be adhered to fully. I was going to say safe, but again, I don't know whether it would be safe or not. I'm on the fence about it, but I also think that the idea that it's a straightforward thing and for God's sake, the GEA is being targeted in the same way as pubs are being targeted and all of this is is really, I think, unfair to the situation. I think they were forgetting about how serious a problem that we have in the, in the country and world at the moment. If we're, is it really the biggest thing in the world, right? You know, like that. that's, I suppose, the question is like, can we not live without going to see these games for one year in the same way as people can they not live without going on holidays for one year or so and so forth we'll, like please god we'll all be back to normal at some stage early next year whatever maybe even next summer but it's a long life you know that's just that's i, I suppose that that's less on the fence than i meant to be but i i would have been kind of moving towards wondering why why can't you like why can't you fit more than 200 people into like the Gaelic grounds until I was like listening to Ronan Glenn the chief medical officer talking last night he kind of explained it the, the thinking behind this it's not about how many people are in the ground it's about people congregating before and after games and mixing and that's where the risk is it's when people are like traveling to games and that's when, when people are kind of in groups and engaging and you've got people from different households mixing, that's when this kind of this virus will thrive. And when they explain that, and if they could have put that out there a little bit earlier and explain that, I, I like I think there would have a lot there would be a lot more of acceptance of this. But you know, it, it was kind of put out there and not really explained very well. So I don't know if if like if they could just like if the J could articulate this to its members, then I think maybe maybe there would be more of an acceptance of okay, now we understand why you're not allowing this. Yeah, it's like again, you can't really get it. Like it's I'd be reluctant for us, any of us to get involved in the scientific debate around it or whatever. But there are other things that you probably don't think of when you start thinking of it. It's like well that's all well and good that you have everybody spread out of the game, but then everybody heads for the exit door and you know, or the, into the car park behind the stand that's obviously going to be a bit smaller in some of the southern club grounds. If you had maybe stewards that were able to you know, stagger the times people were coming and going at 
maybe or something to keep everyone socially distant, something like that. But like, it's so difficult to implement these things when you, we, like, you could easily, I think, come up with a proposal that would ensure people would be socially distant, you know, all that safety could spread out like that, not coming to games and, you know, in the same car or whatever it is. But the problem is when you have to implement that across so many games, it's so difficult. Yeah. Uh, which is, again, the thing, like you're saying, like maybe for a few more weeks that, you know, would be all right. But the other thing on a lighter note of these, these rules and regulations is not being able to use the restrooms. It's so difficult to keep back in there. To keep a, pulled out of the, the, from the, of the bad F there just in time. Um, to keep uh, an eye on everything that you own. You're like, you have a water bottle, you have gloves, you have a, you have a gum shield, you have to take off a t-shirt, put on the jersey, you go home with the jersey, be accident on you, leave the t-shirt in the, in the dugout, or not even in the dugout, you're only throwing the stuff into it, then you're gone somewhere else. It's so difficult to keep an eye on everything when you get changed in the boot of a car. That I, I'm on my second water bottle of the week. Uh, I'm on my third pair of gloves. I don't know what's, coming, what's happening. How does it work with uh, drinking out of your own water bottle and not, not anybody else's as well? Like that must be, uh, is, that, is that something that's implemented or? Yeah, yeah. Games right, that's, training, it's yeah. straightforward except until you have the water bottle in your hand, then go to take off the jersey and then put back on the training top and then you've taken out, you've, you've put the water bottle down and then <laughs> you're home and it's three days later and you're going to train and you're like, where the hell's my bloody water bottle? Oh wait, I've left it half a county away. Um, hearing, about, hearing about people in like Donegal and Kerry and places where you might have lot, like a two or three hour drive um, home from like a, a match in the, obviously it's been piss and rain every day since football in Ireland came back and people have like long drives and they're soaking wet gear. Yeah, exactly that. And also, I would say, uh, from all the training sessions and games so far, I can't. I could say literally a hundred percent record of me in the time you get out of the car, open the boot, and put your boots on, uh, losing my car keys. I just do it every single time. <laughs> I, they're in the boot somewhere. They're somewhere in the bag. They're in one compartment in the bag. They've ended up on the ground. Just constantly go to lock the car. I go, Where the hell did I leave my car keys? <laughs> But look at they're all they're all only minor <laughs> issues. At least we're back playing. Can we can we talk about the uh, just, just before we go the uh, the local flavour of the GA streams? I, I, I'm really enjoying, especially the, the familiarity between some of the uh, the commentators and the the players and the officials, especially during that list more and for my water <laughs> game, where the the referee the referee says. He started to get that. Sorry, the uh, the commentator said, "I'm not sure actually, actually the commentator's name, but he um he started again, and Tom throws in the ball, <laughs> in reference to the referee. Uh, Aaron knocks it. Oh, Aaron's not happy with Jimmy calling that as a wide. Oh, uh, <laughs> and Morris knocks it over, and oh, it's gone out of Fraher Field, and and that'll be in Petty Joe's. No, that'll be in Petty Joe's car. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Yeah, you can see. You know, like, like we're saying, it's the between the commentators and being able to overhear the people on the sideline and the referee and stuff. Yeah. It's making for a, a good bit of crack, a bit of entertainment aside from just the games themselves. But that is it. We really have to wrap up here. We have to get going. Uh, thank you to everybody who has listened. Uh, you can find us if you've not subscribed yet. You can find us by searching the Build Up on Ball City on all good podcast apps. You'll also find the TV fixtures and any of the streaming games. We left that up on site as well later on this week in case you wonder where you can watch any of these games or any of the senior ones anyway um, if you have know of any other ones as well get in touch on social media and we'll add them to the list uh, but that is it from us thank you everybody for listening and we will chat to you again until we do find yourself. Bye.